Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. and seventh edition of the illegal motion college football podcast in nashville tennessee i'm the professor matt perkins and a soggy bubble screen uh, across the harpeth river from me here in the music city it's our own offensive coordinator the coach Corey burton dude i love the adjectives man uh i'm always excited when you introduce me to see what adjective uh attached to a uh to any one of my favorite plays you use so uh and i'm sure our our listeners and uh hopefully soon be viewers that's just wishful thinking maybe we get a webcast uh will appreciate the uh the use of the english language here so uh with that being said it's a great week it is uh, officially clean old-fashioned hate week um here in uh, Dogland. so uh let's get it rolling guys well, we can't get it rolling without the third amigo in the second city, a man whose favorite Thanksgiving dish is mashed corn husker. It's our <laughs> intrepid blogger from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook. Uh, that was seamless. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Uh, weird travel situation for a lot of people. So if we have any listeners um, listening during travels, hopefully they get to where they're going just fine. I believe all of us are staying local. So Yes, we are. Thank goodness. Uh, Coach yeah. and I will be celebrating Thanksgiving a day early here uh, at the professor's house. Shea Professor. So, oh, yeah. Um, Shea, Shea professor. professor. So we have um, a couple of big ticket items to get to before we get into this weekend's slate of games. Um, so uh, why don't we start, Josh, with a little bit of an update on uh, what the, our division standings are looking like heading into the final weekend of the regular season. Definitely, yeah. We did this a couple weeks ago. Uh, not a whole lot has changed. Uh, over in the American, Cincinnati has officially clinched it. They are too clear of UCF, uh, 7-0 and in conference. But the West is interesting. So uh, Memphis and Navy are both 6-1. and And uh, the Middies have the, uh, the disadvantage of losing to Memphis. But if they beat Houston they can still win the division because Memphis has to play Cincinnati, who is, as established, really good. But this leads to a question that I had for you guys. If you're Cincinnati, do you want to win the game to go undefeated and stand a good chance to be the group of five representative? Or are you worried about tipping your hand to Memphis? Or are you even playing the long game and saying, well... Navy's probably not as good as Memphis if we win this game and then assume Navy wins against Houston, we get them. Like, there's some weird scenarios. What are you doing if you're Luke Fickle? I'm just trying to win the game that's right in front of my face. You, you, you can't prepare for those kind. You, you can't try to imagine those what-if scenarios because the second one is contingent on you winning the first game. Yeah, well, the reason I bring it up is you guys may recall – 
last year in the Mountain West, there was a very similar situation where Fresno played Boise in the final game of the season and basically didn't try. <laughs> and then a week later in the conference title game, worked their butt off and won the game. So that's why I brought it up. Uh, for SMU f- fans out there who uh, say, hey, what about us? We're 5-2. and two. Unfortunately, both of their losses are Navy and Memphis in conference, so no chance there. Moving on to the ACC. This one is a pretty easy way to break down. Clemson wrapped it up weeks ago, and the Coastal Division is just the Commonwealth Cup. Whoever wins between Virginia and Virginia Tech this weekend in rivalry week will win the division. Big 12 is also locked down. Oklahoma and Baylor will have their rematch in the Big 12 title game. The Big 10 is also pretty easy to break down. Ohio State has clinched. Minnesota and Wisconsin, their rivalry game, which we'll be talking about obviously shortly, will decide the West. Conference USA is, as always, a delightful cluster of some teams. So to break this down, you've got Florida Atlantic in the East, currently 6-1. and one. That's ahead of Marshall and Western Kentucky, who are both 5-2. and two. But what's complicating is Florida Atlantic beat Western, but lost to Marshall. Marshall obviously beat uh, Florida Atlantic, but also beat Western Kentucky. So Marshall is in good shape if Florida Atlantic loses their final game of the season. Uh, Western Kentucky, by losing to both of them, is pretty much out of it. Um, But yeah, some bizarre stuff in Conference USA to figure out. The West is equally confusing. UAB, Louisiana Tech, and Southern Miss are all five and two. Um, UAB has beaten Louisiana Tech. So they've got that advantage, but they lost to Southern Miss. Louisiana Tech, as mentioned, lost to UAB but they did beat Southern Miss. So Southern Miss kind of out of it based on the tiebreakers, but um, an interesting weekend to say the least for Conference USA. The MAC, Miami of Ohio, they clinched in the East. Uh, The West is pretty easy. Western Michigan lost in Maction already, so they wrapped up their slate at five and three. Central Michigan did not play a Maction game this week, so Central Michigan is in action this weekend. They are 5-2. and two. If Central Michigan wins, they win the West. If they lose, they will also be 5-3, and three, and Western Michigan has the head-to-head tiebreaker there. So that one is a little goofy because of Maction, but fairly clear.
Uh, moving over to the Mountain West, you have Boise State uh, clear. They are up over Air Force. BYU is seven, or Boise State, excuse me, is seven and zero. Air Force is six and one, uh, except Boise has the head-to-head tiebreaker. So it doesn't matter what Boise does in their final game of the season. The West is also wrapped up. Um, Hawaii, a little bit of a surprise. They won the division five and three over San Diego State, who also went five and three. Hawaii got the head-to-head tiebreaker just last week. So well done for Rolovich's Rainbow Warriors. Um, San Diego State does have a game left, however. It is independent BYU, so that won't impact the Mountain West race in any way. Uh, Pac-12 North, that has been settled what feels like for weeks with Oregon uh, running away with it. Oregon State is sitting at second place at four and four, but I think it goes to show the Pac-12 North's a little bit of a rough season that Oregon State's four and four, second place in the division, but five and six overall. Uh, the South is obviously just between Utah and USC. Uh, Utah lost to the men of Troy, but they have just Colorado left, and you know Colorado's kind of up and down. The game is in Salt Lake City, so you would assume that Utah hangs on and wins their division. The men of Troy are done with the year. They don't have a game this week. SEC, that's all wrapped up. Georgia and LSU will be meeting up, and then that leaves the fun belt. Uh, Appalachian State's wrapped up their division. The West is between the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns at 6-1 and one and the Arkansas State Red Wolves at 5-2. and two. But Louisiana has the tiebreaker over Arkansas, so I think that one's just a formality and that I don't see any way for Arkansas State to win. So that's it. We've done the divisions. Everything's all set. Um, eyes on the Big Ten, eyes on the American, eyes on the ACC to suss a few things out. And then obviously – uh, Conference USA, throw a dart at a dartboard, and you'll figure out who's going to be in that title. Yeah, I'm I'm curious to see how Conference USA shakes out. Um, but what I am even more uh, curious about is uh, how the FCS playoffs are going to shake out because that yeah. because the bracket was just released this week, and we've got some potential good ones uh, coming up. Uh, we're going to run through the bracket really quick. Obviously, FCS. Um, they incorporate 24 teams into their playoff. Um, so, you know, proof that it can be done, uh, but you have to start the playoff now uh, in order to get it done by a reasonable time around uh, New Year's. Uh, number one seed uh, this year, as it is seemingly for the last decade, North Dakota State. Um, they are going to uh, face off uh, next weekend against the winner of the Nickel State versus North Dakota matchup. Um, that could be an interesting in-state uh, in-state rivalry game uh, if it gets played uh, in the FCS playoffs uh, the coming weekend. Um, the other side of the uh, of that side of the bracket is Central Arkansas as the eight seed. They will get to play the winner of the Southeast Missouri State versus Illinois State. Um, um, elsewhere, Montana State is the five seed. Uh, they will get to uh, face off against the winner of an interesting East Coast matchup between Albany and Central Connecticut State, which is uh, two schools that uh, are not typically uh, making it here into the uh, FCS um, the FCS playoffs. 
Um, elsewhere, um, we have uh, elsewhere in the bracket, we have um, uh, Austin P uh, right here in Middle Tennessee. Uh, the governors, the governors are hosting Furman um, for the right the to paladins for the let's go p um for the right to uh travel to sacramento california next week let's go p um uh number oh that's a that's quite a travel plan absolutely yeah the governor yeah mark hutz doing a great um, job the the governors have had a a real nice showing this year Uh, they're currently ranked number 17 in the country um hmm Good for him. He playing tailback. You know, Matt. That's where our guy uh, Leland Wilhoyt is. Okay, that's where he ended up. What kind I of think so. Last I, last I saw, he was like a slot receiver, All right. tailback. All but right. they they were thinking Good. about. Well, uh, we'll keep an eye out for Leland. Uh, um, anyway, uh, back to the FCS bracket. The number two seed. Um, the uh, who have been the you know the second best team in the country for a while now, James Madison. Uh, they uh, they will get to play the winner of Holy Cross and Monmouth, which uh, serves for another really interesting first round matchup. Uh, the only reason that uh, some of these teams are in obviously is because of their um, winning their conference, and that is the case for Holy Cross and the Pat League. Uh, they have the worst record of anyone in the tournament this year. They are seven and five, uh, and they are. You know, and they've never won a game in the tournament themselves. So I'm expecting uh, the Crusaders to get blowed out by <laughs> uh, a ten and two Monmouth squad that uh, just absolutely ran the Big South this year. Um, uh, we've also got South Dakota State on that side of the bracket, uh, who have become a perennial power. Um, they will get to play the winner of you and I, San Diego, and Josh, Northern Iowa. Um, Pretty pretty shocking that they are un they are not seated. Um, they are ranked sixth in the FCS right now, but uh, because of the fact that a they play in North Dakota State's division, um, so they're not going to get uh, the auto berth. They are are not seated, so they potentially have a big second round matchup with the Jackrabbits. I think a lot of that has to do with their lack of performance against teams at the playoffs so uh they had their triple overtime heartbreaking loss at iowa state um so that was one of their four losses but their other three losses uh 12 points at weber state weber's in the playoffs uh at north dakota state they got boat raced 46 14 and then at south dakota state they lost 38 to 7 so um they had a nice season they made the tournament like they were supposed to but um yeah, it, it's tough to see based on that lack of success against playoff performing teams, uh, you and I making much of a run. But, uh, hey, you never know. Weird things have happened, so we'll see. All right. Um, el- um, elsewhere uh, in the bracket, we've got um, our, our final quadrant. Uh, the number six uh, seeded Montana Grizzlies, they will get to play the winner of Southeastern Louisiana and Villanova. That Southeastern Louisiana squad has 
uh, put up a fight against some uh, against some big powers this year. They're only ranked 24th, but uh, don't be surprised if they are able to uh, push Montana there in the second round. Finally, uh, Weber State will get to play the Wofford. Uh, we'll get to play the winner of Wofford versus Kennesaw State. Uh, coach, two, uh, you know, I, I'd say two very traditional Old South colleges right there uh, facing off in the first round of the FCS. Yes. And, and two variations of the same offense as well uh, for Wofford and Kennesaw State. Kennesaw State has probably had the most upward trajectory. They're probably – I would say they're like the most rapidly growing program, probably one of – if not one of them in all of FCS. And so uh, Brian Bohan has done a tremendous job down there. And I think, you know, they have a chance. And Wofford is – Wofford is a very pesky team, so this will be this will be a fun one to watch because both teams are going to be tough outs. But you better you better turn it in you better turn it on on time because both these teams like to run the ball and it'll be over quick. So, um, but uh, you know both extremely formidable teams, great programs, stable programs, and uh, I would expect a lot out of each one of these, and, and they they could uh, they could contend with anybody in FCS personally. All right. Well, I'm excited about FCS guys. I'm sure that you guys are as well, but it is Thanksgiving weekend. So we need to get into the real meat. Whoa, of this. whoa, whoa. Can we make our picks? Can we make oh, our picks? Okay. 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 Uh, I'll just skip right ahead to the final four. I got North Dakota state winning their region. Got James Madison mm-hmm. in their region. I got Weber state. Mm-hmm. in their division this montana state team though really hot i like them they're my little bit of an upset so i've got chalk other than montana state okay. between north dakota state and montana state i am going to go with unfortunately the powerhouse north dakota state uh james madison weber state i'm gonna go with james madison get the game we all want the dukes and the bison mm-hmm. bison and two first year coaches so you can't really say oh well one's got a coaching advantage one doesn't um i'm gonna go with chalk i'm gonna take north dakota state until they lose till the dynasty is Did you say rock chalk yep until the they lose until the dynasty's totally done i don't know why you wouldn't pick the bison rock chalk bison hawk <laughs> what's your final for you guys um i mean obviously you have to go with north dakota state you have to go with the machine at this point it doesn't matter who is who, who's running it it's a they're they're such a powerhouse that um you know I, i'm gonna pick them i'm gonna pick them to win it all until proven otherwise it's, so I'll, I'll start with that right away um I actually like the Jackrabbits to come out of um, South South Dakota State to come out of their quadrant. I think they're going to upset James Madison this year. Um, South Dakota State is building Ooh. a program in the mold of North Dakota State, and I think that they have they are they are almost at that point that North Dakota State was maybe about 10, 12 years ago, where they are really ascending and just becoming, you know, year in and year out. You know that they are going to be. Um, a contender and I think that this is even though they've lost a couple of games this year I still think that this squad is good enough that they are going to upset the Dukes and move on to the final four um 
I'm with I'm with Josh. I'm absolutely going to take uh, Weaver State uh, in sort of I don't know if you can put it in the in the bottom right quadrant of the the bracket the way it's printed. Or and then finally, um, I'm going to take a long shot. I'm going to be a homer and go with the governors of Austin P. Um, to the governors uh, to come out of. Um, uh, to come out as an unseated, the only unseated to make the final four. So that gives me North Dakota State versus Austin P in one national semifinal, South Dakota State versus Weber State in the other national semifinal. I've got North Dakota State, uh, uh, obviously, like I said, as the champion, and they will beat uh, the Jackrabbits of South Dakota State in the title game. Like it. Coach. All right. Um, so if I am looking at this bracket correctly, um, I'm going to have the Bison uh, making it out of their region. I, I think that uh, they probably got the easiest draw. I think Central Arkansas as a quarterfinal team uh, tells you what you need to know. Nickel State will be pesky, um, but uh, I think North Dakota State will uh, eventually just run roughshod through this side of the bracket. Uh, I think James Madison got unlucky with South Dakota State. Um, being in their same region. I think that'll be a tough win, but I do think James Madison will survive and, and win out of that bracket, but it won't be easy for, for them. Uh, here's where we get some, here's where we get all the fun. Okay. You have Montana state and Sacramento state as your automatic buys in that region. I think Austin P got very, very fortunate. Matt, you stole my thunder a little bit. Uh, they got very fortunate in the draw that they got. I think if they can uh, get it rolling against Furman, I think they could make a run to the to the national semifinal, and I think that they will. So I'm, I'm taking the Govs because not only do I want the Govs to win, um, I think that they will. I think that they could be uh, – they're hot right now at the right time. They're, they're playing with a lot of confidence. Mark Hudspeth done a tremendous job there, and I, I think that they can uh, – I think they can upset their way up to the semifinal – and earn a date with, uh, I believe they're playing the Bison, right? If they mm-hmm. if they go. Um, then the other bracket, here's where it gets fun as well. Um, Weber State, the odds-on favorite to come out of that bracket as a three seed. Um, I, I think that they, I think they're going to get a tough uh, second-round matchup between the winner of Wofford and Kennesaw State. I think that's going to be your biggest upset of the bracket. Ooh, I like it. Um, right there. Um, I think Kennesaw State is going to make it. Uh, against uh, they're going to play against Montana but unfortunately I think Kennesaw State is going to have to travel up to the Grizz and we all know what the weather's like well, I mean, that's going to be right um, after they travel Montana out this to, time of year. Uh, to Utah to play Weber State too so you know that's going to be de- for whatever yeah. squad, if that does indeed happen that's going to be a lot of traveling um, it's going to be a lot of traveling and a lot of snow I, I think they can travel once I think they can travel once and, and upset, but I, I don't think they can do it twice. I don't think they can play in the extreme cold twice uh, and with a lot of snow on the ground. So I think the Grizz are going to come out of that region. And I think the Grizz's dreams are going to end in the semifinal. I think James Madison, um, I'm, I'm looking uh, at chalk here for the championship game, the Bison versus James Madison. And I think the number one seed is going to, the overall number one seed is going to prevail. I like the Bison to ultimately win the national championship. The Bison are going to have a tough game over Austin P. That's going to prime them for uh, their battle with uh, James Madison. All right, all right. So there's I my like pick. 
I like to hear picks. it. I like to hear it. So we all we all picked we all picked uh, we all picked North, North Dakota, Dakota State, State, which is the Bison. I mean, until they until they prove otherwise, there's no reason to not pick them. I mean, you know, yeah, it might be I fun mean, to pick a cute other story, but I mean, like seriously, like they're. I mean, I picked I picked the biggest upset with Kennesaw State over Weber, uh, and then we have I have Cinderella and Austin P. But Cinderella is going to get squashed in the yeah. semifinal. I mean, they are. They, they, the, I think the closest analogy I can think of is this is, um, this is the 1960s, 1970s UCLA basketball team. You know, um, yes. they, they have built their own pyramid of success. And they yes, are, they you know, they are reaping the rewards now. So, you know, uh, They've had multiple coaches. It's not a John Wooden situation exactly, but I think that that's the closest sort of analogy that we have for the kind of dominance that they've had over the past decade. Anyhow, let's get to the matchups for this coming weekend. One game on Thanksgiving Day itself, the Egg Bowl. Coach, you have any any quick thoughts on the Egg Bowl before we get into uh, the bigger matchups of the weekend? <laughs> I think it's going to be a battle of futility. Where Where is the Egg Bowl this year? Is it, is it uh, it's in Stark Vegas. Uh, it's in the state of Mississippi, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that is for sure. Uh, it's in Stark Vegas. I, I think uh, Mississippi State's going to win big. It's, it's. Uh, I think it's Matt Luke's last game. Ooh, so I just want. I just more head the other reason I wanted to, to to talk about it really quick is uh, one of the rumors that I was reading <laughs> was that it also might be Joe Moorhead's last game at Mississippi State because. Uh, are they going to punish him to go to? And make him go. Oh no! They're going to punish him way worse. Rutgers. They're going to Rutgers. Rutgers. Huh? Why? I wish that. Apparently, Joe Moore. What? What? From what I was reading, that Joe Moorhead is not is not feeling like he is fitting in culturally in uh, in Stark Vegas. Well, he doesn't know enough about livestock. You know, um, I, yeah. so, you know, I, and, and I have he, heard and he's from the Northeast, and apparently there have been overtures from Rutgers to drop a mm. pretty penny to get Joe Moorhead. And if they were able to do that, that would be that would be more than a home run. That would be a grand slam hire. Yeah, I have. Does Rutgers own a pretty penny? <laughs> I have heard rumors that Joe Moorhead is literate, so that makes sense. <laughs> Uh, it, it only makes it only makes sense. Um, okay, well then let's head uh, to the Friday games. Uh, Josh, I want to start um, with Cornmageddon uh, or uh, whatever you guys are calling it these days. Iowa, Nebraska, the heroes. Yeah, the, the you know America. The, they should call it the America Love It or Leave It game. Is that where stands the rivalry? Is that, where, is that the after the? It should be called the. It should be called the Brian Ferentz to UNLV Showcase. <laughs> yes, please. So anyhow, Josh. Uh, no, he said that after the Orange Bowl. Oh, okay. Um, either way, uh, Josh. It's it's the rivalry neither fan base cares about or wants, which is why this is the last year it's on Black Friday. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. I think you've said enough, unless there's anything else you want to add to that. Uh, no, I, I think, you know, I, I mentioned this a few weeks ago that Iowa, we know what they're going to do. They're going to struggle to score 20 points. They just scored 19 last week. They haven't scored more than 26 against any Power 5 team other than Rutgers. Um, their offense is a mess. It's terrible. Um, so what it's going to come down to is Nebraska won a week ago. Nebraska's sitting there at 5-6. and six. If Nebraska is fired up and they want to make a bowl game, 
and they don't have they don't feel the pressure of needing to win the game to make a bowl game and they're amped up uh they're gonna run us out of the building because we can't score a single point uh if nebraska is a little sloppy like illinois was with the ball they have some weird coaching decisions like minnesota did the defense can hang in there and spoil things a little bit but um yeah i mean it's iowa is an open book we know what they are yeah we we, we definitely do um okay well then let's move on uh, down the, the calendar josh you previewed cincinnati memphis uh, a little bit earlier is there anything you want to add to what you had said yeah, I mean, I'm just curious. Uh, I'm with you, Matt. I think Luke Fickle wants to win this game. I think he knows that going undefeated in conference is pretty special. I think going 11-1 and one is really special. I think uh, it, you know, would almost guarantee them uh, getting past Boise State. I think, unfortunately, the Mountain West was a little bit down this year, so Boise State's not going to get a very good game for their title game against Hawaii. So I think Luke Fickle wants to win this and play in the gamesmanship that Fresno State did last year or projecting ahead that, oh, if we, you know, if we beat them, then we'll get Navy or whatever. Like, just go out and win the damn game. I think that's what Cincinnati is going to play for. Uh, the, the one question I have is Cincinnati's last few games, the starts have been – ugly they've been asleep at the wheel and it takes them a while to get going and that could bode well for Memphis they are still a really good offensive team even though yeah um, they're explosive yeah yeah, even though they they can they can score in bunches they can you know they they can get off to a hot start say you know take a look at the SMU film um Colorado or Cincinnati Colorado yeah Colorado (laughs) um Cincinnati I think um you know, as rough as the starts that Josh, you said they get off to, um, I, I would guess Luke Fickle doesn't want to hold anything back because I think for a championship game purpose, he wants to he wants to get his team feeling good at the start of the game, and I, I think he's going to try to win this game just so he can build that confidence and momentum, um, and then he's going to let the chips fall where they may because if they're a good enough team, they're going to win anyway. Um, so they just got to play hard and learn how to start better. And I think this would be a perfect opportunity uh, against a team like Memphis, who who has a great ability to uh, to start fast. Yeah, and you know I think that Memphis, this is going to be you know another big marquee showcase for them. They are the national game on Black Friday in the afternoon on ABC. It's in the Liberty Bowl. We saw what happened when Game Day came to Memphis against SMU. They showed up, they showed out, and they won. And I think that this is just another instance where. Uh, I like Memphis a lot in this in, in this scenario. I know Cincinnati has been really good, but I think Josh, one of the things you asked earlier is if should Luke Fickle, you know, keep anything in his holster for the conference title game. As far as I'm concerned, he's going to need to he's going to need to empty it. He's going to need to empty his clip in this game. That's a bad metaphor. He's going to have to use the higher, <laughs> you know, he, he's going to have to find like the plays that are like, you know, in, in the way 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 like you know appendices of his playbook in order to pull out this victory um one other game from uh friday night that i want to talk about i guess it's friday afternoon apple cup even though neither team is ranked uh this is an intriguing matchup because there could you know we could see 100 points here coach yeah we could uh i I think that both teams are uh i know they're extremely disappointed as to uh 
the way their seasons trickled out. Uh, and I say I, I say trickled because it, it's just like how can you let how can you let Oregon State be better than you in the division? So um, good job on on the Beavers' part, though. I'll give them credit for sure. Um, but uh, Jacob Beeson, you know, when he transferred, he thought maybe okay, well, when I when I take the reins, we're gonna just run away with this division. We got a great defense. This is probably set up the best for me. Uh, and it just hasn't come to fruition. They they were upset a week ago uh, by Mel Tucker's uh, Colorado Buffs, and uh, there see there's the Colorado reference, the the relevant one I, I'm looking for. But yeah, this game is going to be it's going to be interesting because the weather's usually bad, um, and there's usually weird stuff that happens in this game, um, and it just seems that Washington always has their number uh, with uh, with Wazoo, so. I mean, expect the unexpected, expect quirky stuff, expect Mike Leach to take a bunch of chances. Yeah, uh, Josh, uh, coaches were disappointed. And I was uh, one that I was going to ask you guys today or probably next week, but I think that Washington is one of the most disappointing teams in the entire country this year. Um, Texas, I think, is on that list as well. Is there anyone else that sticks out to you in that way, Josh? Miami, I guess. Oh, yeah, I mean, well, Miami had a first-year coach. Um, but, yeah, I think was it, it has to be. Was Miami losing to FIU is $4 million just to pay him <laughs> then another, whatever it is, $30 million? Like, No, it, it To lose to FIU? Yeah, that didn't make any sense. I mean, they could, if they want somebody to lose to FIU, they just pay me like half the money. I'll come <laughs> down and lose to FIU. Yeah, I, I think Washington has to be the biggest disappointment. They – you know, with with Texas, they're still middle of the pack in a really stacked conference. But for Washington, they're finishing around the bottom of a terrible division. Like they're six and five. They that's really really bad. They were non-competitive in a lot of games. It felt like, and uh, so yeah, I mean they they have to feel pretty bad. What's interesting about this game and um, it's less so for Washington. In fact, I don't think there's any possibility of this happening for Washington. A, Chris Peterson's won a boatload of games. B, he's at his dream job. It's why he was at Boise State for as long as he was, waiting for this job to open. But um, for the Pirate, you know, he's gotten looks at other schools. Tennessee had a flirtation with him before uh, settling, I believe, for Jeremy Pruitt. Um, and uh, when they did flirt with him, uh, at Tennessee, the AD got fired. Yeah. <laughs> so um, take that for what yeah. it um, Some other schools have, you know, kind of danced the dance with him. And he's had a tremendous success there. I know he hasn't gotten over the hump like Mike Price did with a, a conference title or any Rose Bowl appearances, but he's been phenomenal compared to what they were their last few coaches. And with – Washington always going to be bigger brother with Oregon returning to national prominence. I'm wondering if the pirate takes this as an opportunity to see what else is out there, because you know, there is going to be some interest from some teams. You know, I, for one, would be sad to see him leave uh, because I think he's a uh, – I think both his personality and that program in general mesh well. 
I don't, you know, I think he's yeah. happy. And so I don't, I don't think he's going to leave Washington state and Was- unless Washington state gives him a reason mm-hmm. to meaning they fire him. Yeah. So we're not going to yeah. renew your contract. And I don't see them Done. doing that because they're not going to, they're not going to do see much better. Yeah. They, no, but no, I mean, their program is at an all time high, even though they, they've kind of had a disappointing run this year. No, but, um, but he's also never gotten to try his system out at a program where he can get a million five-star recruits. What if, you know, just crazy domino effect. What if Gus Malzahn somehow gets the offer he can't refuse and goes to Arkansas and then Auburn comes calling? I mean, that would certainly intrigue anyone with competitive spirit to be like, ooh, I'm going to be in the same conference, same division, and same state as Alabama. Well, he does have a history with the SEC. What if uh, – now, here, here is the uh, – Here's the here's the domino. What if Florida State hires Mark Stoops and Kentucky comes calling? Ooh. Yeah, he was he was at Kentucky. Think about that. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah. For a second. Think about it. I'm way more intrigued with Mike Leach at Kentucky than I am Mike Leach at Auburn. Ooh. I'm way more intrigued. Um, but here's another here's another fun domino. Auburn and Mike Leach would not mesh at all, knowing that yeah, fan base. No, that, would, that, that would that would last for half a second. Uh, here's another fun domino. There's a certain coach who's a total fraud who goes worse every year. He's out of school. And Mike Leach used to coach in that exact same state. That's if you can't gosh. beat him, join him. How about if Texas snags the pie? That was my thought exactly. That won't happen. <laughs> that was my thought exactly, but that won't happen. Of fan base is not, not meshing with the coach. <laughs> Anyhow, yeah, they 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 thought they already thought he was weird enough at Texas Tech. <laughs> let's head on. So let's head on, guys, to uh to the big big matchups of the weekend. We will start on uh, Saturday with the big game, uh, Ohio State. Michigan um, up there in Ann Arbor, Josh, um, Ohio state after last week's um, pretty dominant victory, uh, save a couple of goofs in the third quarter over Penn state. Uh, Ohio state uh, is just, uh, is rolling. They are now the number one team, according to the CFP selection committee. We already talked about them on our last episode. We don't need to get back into that either way. They look fantastic. Any chance for Michigan to pull up what pull off what would be a pretty historic upset. Well, according to ESPN, Jim Harbaugh has salvaged the season. So uh, let's see how he's done that. Let's rewind. They beat Indiana a week ago, a team that hasn't beaten Michigan in twenty years. Twenty years before that, they... thirty-two <laughs> years since is that yeah. eighty-seven. Oh well, even longer. The week before that, they beat Michigan State, a team that is in desperate need of cleaning house the the week before that they beat maryland a team that hired an idiot the week before that they beat notre dame okay that's maybe a little impressive we'll hang on to that one week before that they lost to penn state the week before that they had a weird game against michigan in which it was never um as big a blowout as the final score would indicate a week before that they barely beat hapless iowa 
So there's this love of like making it sound like Michigan's had a major turnaround to their season. Mm, the turnaround was getting to play a bunch of crappy teams like Maryland, Michigan State, and Indiana has had a nice season, but they're not world beaters for a reason. So it's all, you know, unicorns and fairy dust, and it's nothing special. The judgment day is coming, and Ohio State's going to drop them like third period French. Wow. Um, why, why be disrespectful to third period French? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be a massacre. Uh, I think Jim Harbaugh has one foot to the NFL. He's going to get one of these NFL jobs. Probably, probably well, he's going to have his choice. They're all going to be fighting over um, justified or not. He might fit in better in the NFL. So I think it's going to be kind of Michigan's going to get off the hook because they don't have to fire him. They can say, oh, we lost our coach to the NFL, when in reality they probably wanted to sit there and fire him. Um, but I think it's going to be Justin Fields is going to have a huge day. Hey, you want to hear, you want to hear a crazy conspiracy domino theory? Sure, hit it. Maryland regrets what they did. They fire Mike Loxley. They hire Indianapolis Colt head coach, Mark Wright, or whatever his name is. Frank, Frank Wright. Frank Wright. A Maryland alum. They wanted him before. The Colts bring back the prodigal son, Jim Harbaugh. Michigan always makes the wrong coaching decision. They bring back Big Ten coordinator and my favorite whipping boy, Tom Herman. Texas that hires. Mike Leach, I did it again. Uh, no, I was hoping that <laughs> – what I was hoping was that on top of that, D'Antonio falls and Mike Leach goes to Michigan State. <laughs> no, no, here, here you go. Here you go. Okay. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know where the hell to rewind that. Um, <laughs> let's go uh, – okay. So, Herman just went to, went to Michigan, okay? Well, I'll pick it up there. Okay. <laughs> Herman, Herman goes to Michigan, Texas reunites with Mac Brown and UNC hires Mike Leach. No, I'm going to rewind it from there. UNC hires Brian Ferentz, Iowa, that hires as our offensive coordinator, Mike Leach, to be coach and waiting. <laughs> He's like the exact same age as Kirk Ferentz. <laughs> I mean, that Mike, like plus. Mike Leach and Kirk Ferentz. Um, Hold on, I'm gonna I'm gonna vamp here for just a second because Kirk Ferentz is a uh, Kirk Ferentz was born in 1955. Mike Leach was born in okay, they're six years apart, 1961. <laughs> okay, hey, um, here's an even bigger twist. Okay, Brian Ferentz gets hired at North Carolina. He hires James Coley as his offensive coordinator, and Georgia hires Lincoln Riley as their offensive coordinator. Now we're just in fantasy world. Um, no, that, no, that they really – Mike Bobo's getting fired Saturday. He, he's done at Colorado State. So I, I think Georgia would love it if someone were interested in James Coley and hired him away so they so Kirby can bring back his buddy. I, I think Mike Bobo is the only person that could snap back at Kirby and not be fired on the spot. And I think Kirby would love if his health, if his health would allow it, 
for Mike Bobo to be the offensive coordinator at Georgia. <sighs> that's a scenario that's that's a scenario that's been tossed around. Um, but I think at the very least, he would hire him as an analyst for a year or two and let him get his health back up underneath him, and then he would bring him bring him up, kind of as a he'd be kind of the in the wings coordinator and, and help Coley call plays. Interesting. So. Um, so a lot of scenarios. Um, I think I think Mike Leach is uh, he's going to end up in Texas. I guess is our conclusion, right? It's what it sounds like. It sounds like he's going yep. to Texas. So, yep, you can pencil that in. Uh, a, a very similar conclusion has been made about the uh, Washington Redskins head coach, <laughs> Bill Callahan. Oh, um, so <laughs> so they go from. So Texas would stay weird, except they would go from their head coach kissing all of their players and to, headbutting uh, them with their helmets on. Yes, that too. And uh, they would go from that to uh, Mike Leach is just quirky press conferences. Like, can you imagine the Texas fan base listening to a Mike Leach press conference and going, "What the hell? Why did we hire this guy?" I can. I. Can you imagine? I, I, yes, I can, and it would be hilarious. It would be hilarious, um, and then it'd be scary for the Big Twelve all, all at the same time because they—I don't think they realize what they what they would have in Mike Leach because he's such an odd personality, unique personality. Yeah, and uh, then all the kids he was would, losing out on at Texas Tech, he would be getting at Texas, and it would yeah. be it, it, it would be a it would be a lot of fun. Red, Red River Red River Shootout would. You know, the over can, under can you imagine, would be about 120. Can you imagine Sam Ellinger under Mike Leach? It would be fantastic. That would be the best quarterback talent he's ever had. Like, I think Joe Tessitore just perked up. <laughs> oh, Joe Tess. All right, we need to reel it back in um, and keep moving on with the weekend. But do yeah, we? Yeah, we do, unfortunately. Uh, well, we should. We, you know, we just made a bunch of punchlines about vacancies we should say that there are some official ones uh Rutgers has been in the books for a while Florida State's been in the books for a while uh but uh Bob Davey mm-hmm. down at New Mexico retiring and Mark Sanchez at UNLV uh not coming back it sounded like his contract Mark expired Sanchez? they declined to extend yeah. it so kind of a did he butt fumble his way out yeah kind of <laughs> Tony Sanchez yeah kind of a non-firing firing yeah, type situation yeah the classic there, so. mutually agreed to part ways yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I think out of those two jobs, both in the same conference, I think UNLV is a little bit more attractive because uh, he did get some funding for some upgrades in facilities and stuff. So could it be. is Las Vegas. Yeah. Could, I know. But I don't know. Could, I think could he, him and his brother switch places? <laughs> uh, it, he goes back to Bishop Borman and his brother. Yeah, no, his brother, his brother is the, 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 the HC at Bishop Borman right there in Vegas. Yeah, I mean, it, they just switch spots every day, and they they bring on Tate Martell as the quarterback. I mean, he's that kid's going to transfer again. <laughs> yeah, he, I mean, he spent he spent more time in the transfer portal than anyone. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I don't know. I think you. I don't think he's the same school. I think um, UNLV could be an attractive place for a potential up and comer. I mean, what's there's certainly worse places to go. Well, definitely if you if you if you enjoy uh, if if you enjoy the nightlife. 
which might, might be one of the problems on the job. Um, well, this whole conversation started with Ohio State, Michigan. I want to move to the other big game in the Big Ten this weekend, the game to decide the West. Uh, the battle for Paul Bunyan's axe, the number 12 badges are at the number eight Minnesota Golden Gophers. Still feel, feels weird saying that. Um, uh, marquee game, 2.30 in the afternoon. Um, Central time, 3.30 in the afternoon, East Coast time there on Saturday. Game day is going to be in town um, in the Twin Cities, Josh, for that one. Um, Yet still Wisconsin's favored. Uh, How do you see it shaking out? Well, I think that if Wisconsin plays sloppy like they did at times against Purdue and drop the ball, yeah, drop the ball a couple times like they've done a few other games, that Minnesota hasn't golden gopher opportunity because Minnesota outside of the Iowa game hasn't beaten themselves in any way. They're a very fundamentally sound team. So if Cone is off, if JTT has his one minor bugaboo of his resume, which is a little bit of fumbleitis, it's a great opportunity for Minnesota. I, I think Minnesota also like, it's weird to say that losing isn't the end of the world for them because they've already defied expectations. They are already ahead of their rebuild than we expected. And so they're kind of, in a way, playing with house money. They, they broke the streak last year beating Wisconsin. They were nationally ranked for most of the season. They have had a wonderful season by any measure. They're going to go to by far their best bowl game in 15 years this season has been an immense success and on the flip side Wisconsin started with national title aspirations to not even make the Big Ten title game would be in the eyes of many Badger fans a failure and yes so Wisconsin's gonna play with so much more pressure when you have that pressure sometimes you Don't play up to expectations. When you have everyone saying that you are a Heisman candidate, and even if you don't win, you need to be invited to um, New York York City. They've been saying that he's the greatest of all time. He's on graphics with uh, Husho Waka and Ron Dane and stuff. Like, what has Wisconsin been reading all week? Like, I think this is a great opportunity for Minnesota. Uh, I do think Wisconsin's the better team. And if Wisconsin can compartmentalize and play up to their potential, they should win. But I would not be surprised in any way if when we do our recap show next week that we're talking about Minnesota, the big 10 title game. All right. I have four to six assorted thoughts um, that I'm going to get through. So thought number one, Last week, the Badgers played Purdue. Uh, Purdue torched the Badgers with trick plays. Purdue, uh, well, you know, when they were just using their base standard offense, they couldn't move the ball. But every but Purdue scored because they were able to use trick plays. PJ Fleck has more than a few tricks up his sleeve. Um, we talked about you know finding those plays that are in the way way back in the appendices of your. Uh, of your playbook, PJ Flex is going to pull all of those out this week. Wisconsin secondary, especially their safeties, need to stay much more disciplined. They got burned over the top um, by Purdue, and not even and this is Purdue without Rondale Moore. 
against those two receivers that um, Minnesota has, which it sounds so strange again to say this, but they're one of the best receiving duos, receiving tandems, wide receiver tandems in the entire country. And Wisconsin safeties cannot afford to get beat deep. Um, so I'm, I'm especially looking at Richie Pearson, who's a strong safety there. He is a great tackler, amazing in run support, but he has gotten burned deep multiple times. And he, he is the guy I am concerned about uh, being picked on on the back end. I'm gonna, I expect Wisconsin to employ a lot of three safety. That They, they will play a lot of um, a, a weird sort of like two, three, six hybrid defense where they are playing uh, three safeties and three corners. They're playing, you know, two outside corners, a slot corner and three safeties when, um, and they bring in uh, Colin Wilder, who's a transfer from Houston. And I expect to see a ton of that this weekend. So they don't get burned deep Um, on the offensive line. um, The Badgers, obviously it's what they're known for. Uh, We're going to have to see how Cole Van Lannan is. He missed last week's game against, uh, against uh, Purdue Uh, in 2018 season pro football focus rated him the number one left tackle in all of college football. He has had an up and down season this year, but uh, he is really needed if they are going to be able to consistently run the ball and hold on to the ball, which is what Josh mentioned. My third point, Jonathan Taylor cannot fumble the ball. Um, uh, Jack Cohn has done a great job taking care of the ball all year. I don't expect that to change here. Jonathan Taylor, though, has had a little bit of fumbleitis. He needs another 200-plus yard game, not just to get himself to New York for the Heisman Trophy celebration, but also – uh, just because you know he needs to, if if he really wants to solidify his place uh, amongst the all-time greats, you know he's been amazing. But these are the kind of games that he really needs to show up in. Finally, Paul Christ, um, you know when uh, when the Badgers played Western Michigan in the Cotton Bowl a couple of years ago, PJ Flex last game at Western Michigan, um, the Badgers dominated that game, and he needs to. Uh, he needs to be two steps ahead of PJ Fleck and not, um, but not get too stuck in his ways. Um, I hope that they need. To, I hope that the Badgers on offense are using a lot more of um, changing their uh, form, uh, shifting formations before uh, pre-snap. They'll line up in one formation and then they'll switch to something completely different. It will make the defense basically tell them, uh, you know, what they're doing if they're playing man, if they're playing zone, etc. Um, and get the matchups that they want. I, I want to see a lot more of that. I hope to see a lot of um, uh, 32 Hippo this weekend. Uh, Coach, um, well, I guess I'll give a quick prediction here. I, I'm, I actually think Minnesota's going to win the game. Um, I, I wanted to push back one thing on something you said, Matt. You mentioned the bowl game where Wisconsin beat Western Michigan. I remember that game quite well. Um, Wisconsin raced out to a big lead in the first quarter. I believe it was 21 nothing, And Western just wasn't prepared for the size, speed, everything. Second, third, and fourth quarter, it was an even draw. Western matched Wisconsin score for score, moving the ball for moving the ball, physicality for physicality. And the end margin was the same what it was in the first quarter. Western Michigan was not this Minnesota team. This Gopher team is going to be ready. I don't see that um, dominating quarter happening again. 
I think this is going to be this is an amazing game. I really do. Whether who wins or loses, um, you know, as an Iowa fan, I'm leaning towards Wisconsin because that's where I did go to school. But I, I'm just excited for what on paper looks to be an incredible matchup of two very, very similar teams in terms of end results, but getting there in two very different ways. Cooper agrees. Um, <laughs> I, I think, Matt, Josh, I, I think what Wisconsin needs to do, uh, I, I think they need to simplify. I don't think they need to get into a duel with Minnesota. I think they need to force Minnesota to play Wisconsin football. And I, I say that a lot, but when you have two contrasting styles like that, I, I think that if Wisconsin can use utilize a lot of shifts, motions, and their 32 hip I, I think that if they have any sort of success with that, which they did against Michigan, I'm not saying Michigan is better than Minnesota, but I think traditionally they are. And I don't think Minnesota, as a program, is equipped to deal with the ramifications of is Jonathan Taylor running down our throats in this hippo formation. I don't know that, that if there's any success in the hippo formation that Minnesota can handle it. So I, I think they need to go out and just play Wisconsin football. And on defense, they need to play the RPO uh, very good. The safeties are the ones that need to have the best game because they can't get so they can't get so aggressive in the run game that a seam route goes right by them on an RPO, or they can't sit back to where they're completing intermediate routes in front of them. They kind of have to find that balance, which is why RPOs are so successful. It, 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 it kind of messes with you in that regard. So. Uh, I, I think Wisconsin's going to have their hands full. That's that's a given. You know, Minnesota is a, is a very, very well-coached, uh, I don't want to say overly talented team. Uh, they've got some talent, and they use it well. They don't have a lot of depth, and I think that's where Wisconsin, uh, if they're going to win, I think that's where Wisconsin can, uh, can get them. I think Wisconsin is a deeper team. They're built for games like this, and I, I think I, I think and with this series, right, Matt, they uh, – they dominate the series, don't they? Uh, the, the historical series is tied. Yeah, in, oh. the, in the last 20 and 30 years. Wisconsin's dominated. Wisconsin had one yeah, Wisconsin and Iowa before but, last year. So recent, so recently, recently yeah, yeah. it's been heavily tipped in Wisconsin's favor. Yeah. So, I mean, the psychology of that has got to play into it, right? Um, so they, they start – they start wearing them down, even though it's not going to reflect on the scoreboard. That whole psychology of oh, here we go again. Uh, that's you, you got to think that that might creep into their minds subconsciously. So there's a lot of factors involved in, in a rivalry game like this, and so I don't think you know you could definitively say, "Oh, Wisconsin, Wisconsin, Wisconsin," or you can't definitively say, "Oh, well, Minnesota, they're you know." They're going to be in the Big Ten title game. It could go – that's what's exciting about this game and this matchup. It could literally go any way. And there, when there's something on the line, it makes Yeah, Wisconsin's excited. won 25 of the last 30 games. Um, yeah. But historically, it's so, 60 to six, sixty to sixty to 8 in 8 for 8 times. Okay. So, um, yeah. but, but recently, recently – it's been heavily favored Wisconsin. Um, but, you know uh, – <laughs> 
All right, well, then let's move over to the SEC, uh, where the big game of the weekend is obviously the Iron Bowl. And even though it's not really, it's not going to have, uh, it's not going to have SEC title implications because LSU has pretty much locked that one up. Uh, uh, Alabama Auburn is a, is a real test for Alabama this year, coach, because they're going to be without Tua Tonga Vailoa. Yes. Um, well, to say that game doesn't have oomph uh, is not true because Bama's sitting there at number five. I said, I said for so SEC, a, just for the SEC title game implications. Oh, yeah. For playoff implications, this thing has huge oomph because if uh, things go as everybody's predicting, which I don't think anybody's giving Georgia a shot in the SEC championship, that LSU is a foregone conclusion that they're going to win the game. I speak a little bit hyperbole there, if you couldn't tell. Um, that Alabama will get that fourth spot. And so Auburn can spoil that. So they've got a lot to play for. Uh, as far as getting an SEC title game, though, it's a lot. But um, Mac Jones has got his hands full with that defensive front. Uh, I've said it. I said it the week of the Georgia-Auburn game. I've said it all season long. Marlon Davidson, Derek Brown are two of the best tackles I've ever seen on defense, and that's saying a lot. Uh, they are incredible. Uh, they are definitely uh, – I would say I would say those two, well, maybe Derek Brown uh, is better than what Quinnen Williams, Williams was. I think Marlon Davidson is is not as good as Quinnen Williams, but he's pretty dang good. Uh, so I, I think a backup quarterback has not seen a defense quite like Auburn. So it's going to be a huge culture shock. The crowd is going to be in a frenzy down there at Jordan Air. I think it's going to be a rough go for Alabama. Uh, they've got to lean heavily on Judy and Devontae Smith, and they've got to just get the ball out quick. Uh, they're not going to be able to. They're not going to have much success on the ground. I, you know, I think that if they're going to have any success at all, they've got to. They've got to continue to do it through the air. And Mac Mac Jones has got to find a way to tap into his inner Tua, um, and and just just got to get the ball off. Uh, and if he gets the ball off, uh, Georgia has shown that uh, Auburn secondary is susceptible to, to deep balls, especially over the middle. And so if they can get if they can get Judy and Devontae Smith uh, going, then they can get a lot of momentum, and that defense can can kind of do their thing. Which um, their defense is not as talented as it as it has been. It's not as productive as it has been. Really, it's probably just as talented uh, because they recruit nothing but five stars, but. Um, it hasn't been as productive is probably the right word. And so I think Auburn has got to do a good job of getting the ball out of Bo Nix's hands quickly. I think they they have to get some sort of run game going. Uh, Bo Nix is going to have to be involved in that. I think uh, some of the stuff they did in the fourth quarter of the Georgia game, if they can kind of tap into that, I think they'll give the Crimson Tide all that they can handle. So, for this to be a foregone conclusion that Alabama is going to win this game is also off the table because, A, it is a rivalry. It is the Iron Bowl. Anything can happen in the Iron Bowl, but I think Auburn's way better than a lot of people give credit for, and a lot of it runs through their defensive line, which I think arguably um, and we'll see in the draft results, but it's right up there with Clemson's defensive line from a year ago, so um, maybe not quite as deep because uh, I think they had two first rounders and like a third rounder, um, but they're they're talented nonetheless. They might have two first rounders um, on that defensive line. So um, I, I liked Auburn 
this is going to be also a fun game to watch because uh, they will uh, give them all that they can handle. So uh, they held LSU to 23 points, and we all know what LSU does on offense, um, how explosive they can be. So um, I'm still going to take the tide uh, because I think I still don't trust, fully trust the freshman quarterback to carry this thing. So um, if you guys want to fire away, I'm going to take the tide in a tight one. Josh? Yeah, I think I'm going to take the tide as well. I'm just – Oh, and I'm picking Wisconsin, <laughs> too, by the way. Yeah, just uh, that receiving core, even with a backup quarterback, I, I feel like you just kind of get it in the right zip code and they're going to come down with it. So um, the Alabama defense, that's the one kind of X factor coach mentioned. They haven't played up to that lofty Alabama standard. Um, but they're also going against our freshman quarterback. And I know he started all the games this year, but this is his first Iron Bowl. This is a huge hurdle. And there have been plenty of quarterbacks with plenty of experience who find a way to stub toes in big rivalry games. So uh, I think the smart money's on Alabama. Alabama also has more to play for. And I think Alabama's not going to attempt a 53-yard field goal with one second left in the game. I doubt that will happen either. <laughs> I doubt that will happen either. Nice. Uh, Coach, you uh, referenced a little good old-fashioned hate earlier. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, you know, the rambling wreck of Georgia Tech. Uh, not quite so great on the field this year. No, it's not Not at all. Um, I, I think a few points from this game, um, I, I think, you know, what you've seen out of Georgia's offense, especially last week. They need to get back on track. This is a this is a game where I think Jake Fromm, who has – I don't know what the heck has happened to him. He is – he's in a funk right now. He's got he, – he's 10 cup. He's got the – he's got the yips. He, he is uh, he is uh, sending worm burners down the, down the line at the driving range, if you guys, <laughs> if you guys are with me. Uh, he, he's in a bad place mentally right now, and he just has no confidence, whether it's in himself uh, whether it was related to the weather conditions, whether he still doesn't quite trust his receivers. I, I don't know what it is, but his footwork has gone to complete hogwash. Uh, he hasn't been able to hit the deep balls that he used to hit in his early in his career, or even uh, at some points earlier this year, um, or even a week ago or two weeks ago against Auburn, where he hit one over the top to Dominic Blaylock. So I, I think it's important. I think for in the first half to just kind of get things going. Um, I, I think they're going to have to throw a lot just to build Jake Fromm's confidence. I think this is a good week to do so. I think this is a good week for these receivers without Lawrence Cager to kind of build a rapport. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I'm looking forward to the offensive line, kind of getting some more experience and just kind of working to get healthy. That, that's, that's the main thing. They're beat up. They had a tough gauntlet in, in November. Uh, Realistically, starting with the Florida game, you could say either way, but Florida, Missouri, Auburn, A&M, it's been a rough November as far as, uh, as, far as big games. And, uh, and, and you know, that's, that's kind of the way you want to see it in college football, so I'm not complaining, uh, just explaining. So I think there's going to have to be some, uh, some, some get healthy work uh, and some get in a rhythm, get some confidence type work offensively. I think defensively uh, – that Texas A&M game up until like the fourth quarter where they got gassed because the offense could not stay on the field. Um, I haven't seen a, a more dominant Georgia defense uh, 
it, it, it was it was incredible what they were able to do and how they were able to shut down everything that Texas A&M wanted to do. They even had a failed uh, onside kick attempt, which I won't even talk about that because that was the poorest execution of an onside kick ever. You had it right there. All you had to do was literally be unathletic and fall over, and you weren't unathletic and you uh, kicked it around and they recovered it. So, um, but the defense did a good job of, of forcing no points um, off of that possession. So uh, the defense is, you know, they just got to continue in their rhythm and they just got to, they just got to, they just got to get some more reps and, and hopefully the offense can, can learn how to stay on the field because that's going to be important and what's going to be a slug fest the next week in the, in the Mercedes Benz. So um, clean old fashioned. Hey, uh, Georgia tech is, I mean, the only reason they're even slightly a factor is because it is a uh, rivalry. Um, but I, I think it's, uh, I, I think, you know, this one should be, you know, pretty, pretty easy for the dogs, at least this year. So I uh, just wanted to get a few things out there. I think it's important for, uh, for George's offense to, to get some confidence going before uh, the SEC championship. All right. Well, I think that's pretty much going to do it for us, Josh, unless we've missed anything else. I just want to rapid fire a few games. Give me uh, one word answers for each of these, or in the case of a school that has two words in their name, two word answer. Uh, Virginia started out red hot, stumped their toe late. Virginia Tech started out pretty slow, red hot right now. Both teams come in eight and three games in Charlottesville. Winner wins that ACC division, Virginia or Virginia Tech. Hokies. Coach? Who? The Hoos. All right, there we go. Uh, my adopted team, Eastern Michigan, they are six and five. They host five and six. Kent State, a win for sure. Seven and five gets them a lock to a bowl. Let's go, screaming mean Eagles. Uh, the burying the lead game. Missouri can't go to a bowl game. And, well, neither can Arkansas. They're two and nine, but that game is in action. Another game I want you guys to pick on Louisville. Seven and four, Kentucky six and five, eight and four for first season. Scott Satterfield, does Louisville pull this one out? Louisville, Kentucky doesn't have a quarterback. Matt, they have a wide receiver playing quarterback. <laughs> I think Matt? I, I, I'm, I'm with coach on this one. I think Louisville's gonna pull it out as well. All right, that's the Commonwealth Cup. Uh, no, wait, that's the Virginia game. The Kentucky game is the uh, grocery bag bowl. Uh, Illinois, they host Northwestern, also a rivalry game. Illinois can go seven and five. Indiana Wait, and Purdue. at the grocery bag or the pizza they're, box? They're, they're playing at the grocery bag. <laughs> there we go. Uh, Indiana, um, a very good season by their standards. Knocking off their rival Purdue to get to eight and four would be quite the feather in their cap. So we give it a feather in the cap. Wake Forest, um, yeah, they're no longer ranked, but if they can beat a bad Syracuse team, a disappointing Syracuse team up at the Carrier Dome, there'd be nine wins for them the next game i want you guys to pick on uh doesn't impact the mountain west race in any way but two fun ball clubs uh two teams having pretty good years wyoming seven and four air force nine and two game is in air force i think what calhoun's done with this falcon squad is awesome i hope they get to 10 wins yeah give me the falcons uh, i'm gonna contrarian take the cowboys not the Atlanta I'm, taking, I'm taking the cowboys all right uh and then the last one i wanted you guys to pick on. oh we should probably touch on bedlam really quick i know well i figured you'd want to but the last one i wanted you guys to pick on that i found intriguing the civil war oh yeah oregon oregon has clinched the division 
Oregon cannot make the playoffs. But Oregon State, if they win, they make a bowl game at six and six. Do you see anything funky happening up there in Austin I'll, Stadium? I'll say this, Josh. I'll say this. If Oregon would have won last week, then yes, you could possibly see something funky <laughs> because they're riding high. But Oregon's pissed. <laughs> I'm actually going the other way. I think oh, I, I think I think they're going to have a hangover from that loss, and Ooh. I think that Oregon State is going to win it on a last-second field goal. Interesting. In Interesting. Where's it's Austin? Yeah, Oregon. yeah. No, I don't like that. If it was in Corvallis, maybe I'd say that. But no, I know mm. Oregon's going to win the game. But I think it's going to be closer than people expect. Sorry, I misread my notes. There was one last game I wanted you guys to pick on ACC action. The disappointing NC State Wolfpack host North Carolina State is four and seven. Tar Heels five and six. Mac Brown does he get them to a bowl game? Oh, yes. without a doubt, NC State is so decimated that, that that four and seven is all smoke and mirrors. They have the talent right in the level right now of about a two and ten team. Wow. All right. There we go. Let's talk about Bedlam then. Uh, Bedlam you quickly. Doing your, you're doing your annual pick. Um, Bedlam, folks. Uh, I think every year on the show, I've picked Oklahoma State. Every year we've done the show, Oklahoma's won. Um, no, I'm not. I'm not picking against Oklahoma. I just I can't do it at this point. I'm sorry. Lincoln Riley has completely won me over. They're going to win. Oklahoma State is uh, without um, without Tylen Wallace is just not the same offense. Uh, this is where you're wrong, Matt. Oklahoma's nothing to play for. They've already clinched the uh, date they, in the title a, game. Yeah, they have a they have a, a spot in the playoff <laughs> to play for. I think they are going to be locked in. I see. I, I love my man Mike Gundy, but man, he is. That's they're going they're going to lose by twenty or more. I think every year I have blindly picked Oklahoma in a blowout. Why would I mix that up now, Coach? I like Oklahoma in a uh, two touchdown shootout where it's going to be like. 56 to 40 something so uh, a low scoring big 12 game sounds about yeah. right a defensive slugfest all right well that is going to do it for us here today on the illegal motion college football podcast we hope you all have a safe and wonderful thanksgiving weekend on behalf of our own offensive coordinator the coach Corey burton here in the music city and our intrepid blogger from big ten and counting josh cook up there in the windy city this is the professor in nashville saying so long and see you next time on the illegal motion college football podcast eat too much turkey Another Houston player transferred. Thanks for listening to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. To get in touch with the show, email us at illegalmotionpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at illegal underscore motion and check out our Facebook page. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.